1: Hello and welcome back to the New Books and Hindu Studies podcast, the podcast channel on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkron, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Tinya Zeiler, who is Associate Professor in South Asian Studies at the University of Helsinki uh, and who's also uh, the editor of a, uh, a fascinating um, new publication, published as part of Rutledge's Studies in Religion and Digital Culture in 2020 called Digital Hinduism. Uh, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me i'm excited
1: as am i tell us how this project uh, came about how did you end up uh, studying digital hinduism
0: oh well not surprisingly that has been a long journey i've been um, uh, dealing with um, research or, or i've been doing studies and i've been interested in studies about digital religion more broadly Uh, For quite a while now, I think it's um, more than 10 years already or about 10 years. Uh, So yeah, since I've got uh, more and more engaged in this uh, new subfield or subdiscipline of digital religion. And um, that came about because of a... Um, Because of a colleague of mine, actually, who made me aware of this and because of my understanding how um, influential, how uh, increasingly important uh, this field of of religious studies uh, is going to be, not only within the academic disciplines, obviously, but also um, my interest in and my awareness about how uh, digital media interact with society at large. And uh, yes, that is without a question that we have all these new uh, media genres uh, and formats and spaces, digital spaces, um, being, uh, being developed, technically developed, being used by people. And yeah, how this whole field of digital religion actually potentially works and how it can be researched. So I got increasingly interested in that. I did some theoretical work, some methodical work along the way. And as my own academic background is actually in classical endology, and then later on a lot in contemporary Hindu traditions, it's not at all surprising to combine these two um, aspects. And yeah, that is how my interest came about.
1: I remember thinking, We actually were part of a a Navaratri research group, um, and we met and had a a conference in 2016, I believe it was. And I remember thinking how way ahead of the curve you were studying this stuff even then. Um, Our 2018 publication, um, Nine Nights of the Goddess, you had a really interesting contribution about uh, uh, digital Hinduism as it pertains to the worship of Durga. And while it was way ahead of the curve then, I'm like, now by now, it's like, thank goodness someone's doing this work. Because so much has happened in the field, and you mentioned, uh, that there, you know, there's uh, fascinating publications on digital Judaism, ju- digital Buddhism, and it's it's high time for this publication. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how the book is organized, what the different parts pertain to?
0: Um, very, very gladly, of course, yeah. So the idea for the book came about when really um, I, I started to understand that more and more, especially young scholars, some of them, I wasn't even aware of their work. So that a lot of people around the world, maybe not a lot, but <laughs> increasingly researchers around the world in all kind of um, regions, obviously in India, a lot in the US, some in Europe, So these researchers looked into this, uh, yeah, interaction of of, uh, digital media and and Hindu traditions. And I also was at a certain point um, painfully aware that there was no kind of um, reference work or no kind of space except very few bibliographies, which have been compiled by colleagues. But other than that, there was no... Um, No secure way of looking up this kind of research. And uh, we thought it's timely. I thought and some colleagues uh, thought, for instance, the uh, editors of the series, um, of the Rutledge series on digital religion. So we thought it would be really about time to to have a volume on this um, theme of this emergent theme, digital Hinduism. And um, I tried to find as many um, colleagues as possible to cover a wide range of the current research done. So in contrast to this kind of uh, more scattered um, articles and book chapters, which of course we had before this volume. Fortunately, we had uh, previous studies. There has been some interest in digital Hinduism before this. Um, But still, yes, we wanted to have a more organized approach uh, approach and and volume. That was the basic idea. And um, yes, uh, then chapters came in and I decided to arrange the list of content and the structure of this book um, in a way which highlights certain spaces of negotiations about how digital Hinduism practices and forms uh, may look like. So the first part, for instance, is called Who Belongs, Identity and Finding One's Place. And this part speaks specifically about identity issues uh, related to digital Hinduism. And then we have another part uh, which focuses on authority negotiations, who defines, authority, and appropriation. And we do have a third part on especially negotiations and debates, which is called who debates, contest, and negotiation. And obviously the chapters in each of these parts um, also speak about some of the key themes of the other parts. So you, you can't discuss religious authority without also talking about religious identity very often, So obviously there is an overlap, but yeah, so I tried to, to find a structure which depicts um, what are the main key approaches one could take when studying digital Hinduism.
1: Senior, Uh, Perhaps a naive question, but a useful one, what is digital Hinduism? Surely it's more than um, religiosity uh, through an online medium, but say more about that. What does it encompass?
0: Well, yeah, that was one of the key questions which was posed when uh, the, the subfield of digital religion overall emerged. So since then, Scholars discussed what is digital religion. In my case, yes, what is digital Hinduism? So it's very important, I think, and that is not only my personal opinion, but a lot of colleagues share that by today, uh, that digital religion. And again, in our case, digital Hinduism, it doesn't only refer to religion as uh, performed or articulated online, but it also speaks about more broadly how the digital religion, how religion as negotiated, constructed, in and with means of digital media, how that interacts with society at large and with religious practice in particular. So uh, this is my approach to digital Hinduism. It's more, definitely, it's more than just Hindu practices and Hindu beliefs negotiated in media.
1: There is a a plethora, there's a wide range of studies in the book, I believe uh, 12, 13, something like that. Um, Do you want to say a bit about some of the studies?
0: Uh, Yes, of course. Um, And um, while I encourage everyone to look at the list of content, Everyone who is interested in this new development, certainly I'm sure, um, finds some articles, some some book chapters of interest um, for them. And yeah, it was in the nature of digital religion that we have um, a broad range of themes, but also we have a broad range of methods and theories which are applied in the individual book chapters and case studies. So, um, by definition, this is a multidisciplinary, uh, multi-methodical volume, which brings uh, together uh, different, um, yes, ways of looking at how this um, this uh, interrelation of uh, Hinduism and online spaces and digital spaces happens. We have, for instance, uh, case studies which deal with. Um, different regional and geographical settings. So we have case studies from India, but we also have um, a few case studies from diasporic backgrounds. We have something on the on Hindu traditions in the US. We also have some um, one chapter on Hindu traditions in Singapore. So we try to span that range. Uh, But then also, yes, we have case studies which focus on different media formats. So we have uh, studies on Facebook, on social media, broadly. We have for the first time ever a chapter which uses examples from Twitter. Uh, We have for the first time ever, to the best of my knowledge, a chapter which specifically deals with um, constructions of beliefs and negotiations of practices on WhatsApp. So these new social media, which are increasingly used by a lot of people, uh, they play a role. We also have more traditional, if I would, um, I would like to call them more traditional media genres uh, like websites, the internet. Broadly, we have a variety of all these.
1: And there's even an article on um, Instagram, <laughs> uh, Durga Puja on Instagram. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, that's, that's the one which uses Twitter as well. That's Deepa Sundaram, who um, speaks about. Durga Puja. By the way, <laughs> we have been talking about Durga Puja before. Durga Puja on Instagram and Twitter.
1: I was going to ask you after our, our our discussion of the book, but this may be the perfect time. Speaking of uh, digital developments of Durga Puja, um, I believe you were just instrumental in uh, creating a uh, an, a Durga video game. <laughs> do you want to say a quick note about that? I think we'll also link link the the URL for the game in your podcast description as well. Tell us a little yes, bit about that.
0: Do please do. Um, yeah, we came up with a new video game. And I always used to call it the first ever educational video game for South Asian studies, to the best of my knowledge. But I think by now it is quite certain that it is <laughs> indeed the first ever educational video game. That's what it is. It's called the Doga Puja Mystery. And it was developed specifically for teaching and learning about um, South Asian culture broadly and specifically about Durga Puja. That is the content example of this game. Uh, the Durga Puja Mystery is an open access game that was very important to me. It is um, free to download, I invite everyone to play it. Uh, Some colleagues have been using it in their teaching already, and I have been using it uh, for the first time uh, just a few months ago in my teaching, and I got student feedback, which was great. So, yeah, so I came up um, with this idea to basically extend the benefits of educational video games to my own discipline, Salvation Studies. And I, would, uh, I wanted to develop something which is fun, but also educational. And that's the definition of video games. I've been working specifically on video games um, and their interaction with religion for quite a while. So it makes, makes perfect sense to try this out. I initiated a collaboration with a, a game development studio in Kolkata with Flying Robots. And yeah, together we came up with this game, which is which has a quite intensive um website with a lot of information, not only on the game and on on the technicalities and on on the content of the game, but also on Doga Puja more broadly. Um, so I took care to really have this website, which also is. Um, fed with new information as as we go on. It has several talks by colleagues. It has um, a documentation by a colleague. It has uh, an academic blog post and so on. So there is a lot of content information which uh, hopefully support the players when they play the game, the Puja mystery.
1: Um, you may qualify uh, quite possibly for the coolest career in South Asian studies <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. <laughs>
0: uh, my day is flattering. Thank you. <laughs>
1: um, 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 uh, definitely the, the most hip endologist. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, in my view, you're way ahead of the curve. Uh, I've realized over the last couple of years, I probably am as well in different ways in terms of online medium, digital education, etc. cetera. How do you see this work? Clearly, <laughs> this work was conceived and executed without foreknowledge of uh, the events of 2020 on the planet. But how do you see um, work such as this or this work in particular playing a part in the transformation afoot with um, online education at the academy?
0: Oh, yes. I mean, the things that you do with your podcast, for instance, as you just mentioned, uh, the things which I do, like with educational video game, the things that a lot of colleagues do, um, uh, for instance, in creating uh, their own teaching documentaries and many, many, many more examples we could bring for that. So all these developments which make increasing use of the, Ever diversifying range of of tech tools which we have today. Um, first and foremost, I think it's a thing which is super welcomed by students. So that certainly is a feedback that I get, and I know it from colleagues as well. Students do appreciate some uh, some diversity in how they are taught. So this traditional lecturing might not be so appreciated by many students any longer. It's more about offering diverse paths or ways to gain knowledge, to possibly also have some fun factors sometimes. And um, yeah, as you say, this is certainly accelerated by the pandemic. Uh, We had great initiatives with um, exchanging guests uh, online guest lectures, um, and it's fantastic for students all over the world to have experts, like the real experts in, in certain subfields, to suddenly be in their classes. This is amazing. I got super, super feedback from students about all these possibilities, which can be increasingly used. Uh, the other thing is of course it's not only about a new quantity of opportunities and chances and yeah this technical diversity i was mentioning but certainly also it is about uh, change in ways of thinking about education it's uh, it's also about quality it is not only about yeah offering this broad range but also about um, being increasingly aware and testing the possibilities uh, that some of these new tech uh, developments might offer. When we speak about video games, educational video games, as a small example, it is very often discussed uh, that uh, indeed this kind of immersion factor or the emotional factors which are enhanced, at least by playing a video game for many players, uh, that they do have a a very specific um, impact on the learning curve in certain ways. So this has to be also in the future more researched. But yeah, there is an increasing awareness about this, and that's good.
1: What's really funny, when I first uh, went down the road of online teaching, probably 2016 or so, um, I'll be very forthcoming. I was really prejudiced against it. I really felt that Face to face in person uh, transmission is the sort of the the, the, the gold standard of education. Now uh, I'm not only a convert; I'm, I'm proselytizing. <laughs> but um, but it it it's, it, it it's um, interesting that online education, uh, being an online educator, has helped me to become a better educator. Period. Such that. Um, the multimedia dimension—you can even um, um, transport to, to to face-to-face teaching whenever we start that up again. So it, re- it really resonates what you say about students needing, wanting, benefiting from um, um, learning through various media uh, in, in, in a fun way. Um, that's also been my experience. I had uh, contract teaching undergrads uh, last semester at the University of Calgary, and. Um, they learned a great deal from, from videos, from podcasts and, and for them, the learning was less, somehow less onerous, right? They were able to, to, to fit it into their life in, 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 in a less onerous way. So that really resonates. I'll have, um, I know that we're a bit constrained for time today, so I'll have maybe one last question I'll ask you. um. Clearly, you're much more familiar with digital Hinduism coming into this project than most or just about anyone. And nevertheless, there's such a plethora of, of data uh, in this volume um, editing it. Like sort of what struck you or what surprised you or what what sort of, you know, what was impressed upon you having having um, curated this volume?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we spoke about the plurality of methods and theories and approaches applied. Um, but yeah, also, in, of course, this goes for the data for the, for the case study gathered and analyzed um, uh, for the data which were analyzed and, and, and gathered in the case studies and presented and discussed. Um, yes, there is a vast array of data which we have. And I think the most surprising thing is that um, certain uh, media genres, which might not be perceived by some, at least, still even today, as being very important for religious actors, actually are so easily, and with, with the with the uttermost, yes, ease, and, and they, they are used at an everyday level by so many religious actors. So that became very clear that things like WhatsApp and even Instagram, they, are, they have so many followers and people who use them. It's not only the more traditional ways of, of using uh, digital tools. It's not only the internet any longer. And there are new things and new ideas and new approaches to the to, to using these digital media all the time. So very likely, given the quick developments uh, today, this volume will have material which will be uh, which we might need to put into an archive quite quickly because all the time new Yes, things come up and we'll have new super interesting studies um, about uh, platforms, about ways they are used. It changes a lot and it changes all the time. This is maybe the most um, important finding, though also, on the other hand, it's quite obvious.
1: Um, that's fascinating. Um, maybe just say one quick word to close about uh, what you're working on now. What's the next main project for you?
0: Oh yeah, I'm certainly continuing in this um, ever-expanding field of digital Hinduism. I uh, do uh, continuous um, theoretical work on especially video games and gaming, uh, but also I'll continue with the education of video games. In fact, we are currently... In the process of developing a second educational video game which is related to the first but also it's entirely new and it stands in its own right. It's a video game about uh, Durga Puja celebrations in diasporic settings and that is because Durga Puja as a festival has traveled all around the globe today. We have Durga Puja celebrations brought to, I think, all over the world by Indian migrant communities. And yes, it is a very, very important space for not only celebrating as such, but also for negotiations of authority, identity very often. And yeah, we try to capture this a little bit in the new educational video game. So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is that also I continue a little bit with my work on tantric traditions, which I've been doing since 15 years. Um, We are discussing the possibilities of creating something on digital yoga currently. So there are all kinds of projects simmering
1: all very fascinating. I want to thank you for appearing on the podcast today. It was great hearing about your work.
0: It was fantastic that you had me. Thank you so much for your interesting questions. Thank you for this possibility. And yes, please do continue with the podcast. It's a fantastic opportunity.
1: My pleasure. Uh, It's lots of fun for me as well. Uh, So for those of you listening, we have been speaking with Dr. Tinha Zeiler, who's Associate Professor in South Asian Studies at the University of Helsinki. We've been speaking to her about uh, digital Hinduism, uh, 2020 Rutledge. Um, uh, Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, keep reading, keep listening, and keep contemplating and engaging digital Hinduism. Take care.